Well, hello, everybody. We are on the show. Um, Sean, nice to see you again. We're here. Hello, you. how are you? <laughs> <laughs> Good. It's been a few. Happy to be back. Yes, very happy to be back. Yeah, it's been a pandemic uh, and then some. So, and uh, <laughs> um, Xi Ching, uh, Xi Ching is your, well, co director and co producer on Takeout and mm-hmm. then has worked on many other films of yours. Um, and I, Sean, did you want to give an introduction of yourself first? I think a lot of people know you. <laughs> oh, an introduction? Well, I'm an indie filmmaker um, right now based in Los Angeles. I've made seven features. And um, yeah, <laughs> but, and, and yes, and Xi Ching Zhou, who is here with us, um, yeah. we've been working together for a very long time, um, co-directed Takeout Together, which is you know now part of the Criterion Collection, and so happy to announce, not many people know this, but Xi Ching has just directed her solo debut, directorial debut, called Left-Handed Girl, which we co-wrote together back almost nice. 15, to 15 years ago. And it's in post-production. I'm editing it and it's going great. Awesome. Oh, wonderful. Congratulations. Congrats. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, that, that's uh, awesome. Can I ask which, uh, which label? Is it an A24 or you know, Magnolia or something or True Indie? Oh, not yet. We, we are still oh, in not... the uh, editing process. And okay. hopefully... Bring we'll it to some festivals? The... Yeah, yeah. Hopefully we'll get into some big fa- film festivals and, you know, premiere and all the goodies. With some fat awesome. wallets there, hopefully. We love going the old school route. Not many people go the old school route anymore, but it used to be with independent films that you would take the gamble, make mm-hmm. the film independently, go to a film festival, hopefully you know, get recognition and then a, uh, a little, hopefully a little bidding war happens for the <laughs> film and it sells to the proper distributor. That's what we're doing again with this one. I kind of I like those days. They're probably tougher on the filmmakers, I'm guessing, because it's almost like a game show. You know, you, you either you know, win something or you go home with nothing. Um, or you, Most definitely. I, I think that happened with that your first, with, uh, your we first went film. We went through that with Takeout. To yeah. Tell you. Yeah. Yeah, take out. But nowadays, it seems like the deals are part of the festival news. Uh, the deals and the the time in which uh, the standing ovation happens. So, mm-hmm. um, so Sean, if if you get a one minute standing ovation, I guess that means your film sucks. <laughs> well, at least that can. There still seems to be this thing, you know, with the <laughs> yes, the number every every second is counted. People are coming up to me after Red Rocket. Going, you know, I clocked it in exactly, you know, five and a half minutes. And then somebody else said, I clocked it in exactly seven minutes. So I don't know what to believe. Anyway. That's amazing. I, I, I always get cracked up at the, it's like the competition of, you know, getting those pieces out. The critics get out after Venice or mm-hmm. Toronto and, and they're all, you know, oh, 18 minutes standing ovation. I'm going, oh, okay, just talk about the movie. Come on. I don't want to hear about the ovation. I want that job. Um, uh, movie uh, ovation timer. So. Yeah. Ovation timer. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, congrats where are they on, getting this? <laughs> congrats on Red Rocket. We haven't talked. So yes. I, I think, um, uh, the, yeah, the last time we talked, you were just, uh, uh, Florida Project was just about to come out. And in fact, I, I, I cursed you because I, I promised you Oscars. Um, so please apologize, apologies to Willem. He, I can say this. He was, he was totally robbed. <laughs> he should have won that one. But, um, but it was, I'm sure it was nice to get nominated. And you got a lot of other accolades. So, and it's a great movie, too. 
Um, oh, we had, never expected anything. So it was a great run and a real, real wonderful surprise. And so happy for Willem that he was nominated. Yeah, really great performance. I hadn't seen it when I talked to you, but um, so it actually, I had high expectations, but it actually exceeded them. Still, I'm, I, I just, certain scenes, like the one with, um, we'll just say that older gentleman and the soda machine, <laughs> certain scenes yeah, yeah. are very memorable. So is this, is this where I make my admission, Aaron? Sure. Okay. So don't boot me off this, <laughs> this uh, call, but okay. I still have your films on my to watch list. So I'm a total, uh, Sean Baker novice. And, um, and in the last couple of years, my just general film watching, especially new releases has just kind of tanked. And I'm in this like uh, endless cycle of just Bob's Burgers reruns and (laughs) Columbo episodes. And so I have made a a promise to Aaron and to, and really to myself that I'm going to sit down and finally take a look at Tangerine, which I've heard so much, Mm -hmm. you know, awesome stuff about in Florida Project. So I have... All right. Conscience <laughs> is clear. I have, I have no revealed my, problem. my deep shame. No problem whatsoever. And to tell you the truth, I actually really, uh, we're, we're, we're really happy with the restorations of my first three films. And so I'm really happy that people who haven't seen those yet will see it this way. And mm-hmm. you know, it's like, I've even and telling everybody if they're seeking out my older films, don't right now. Just wait. Well, take out, <laughs> take out, take out right now. But please wait for the restoration. This is exactly this. You know what? Yeah. This is exactly why I didn't watch them. I said, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to be on a call with Sean one day, and he's going to say, Jill, I am so glad you have never watched my movies because here's yep. the deal. See, look, I knew the whole time. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I haven't seen one of them. So I, your first one. So I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm, I'm glad you announced that that'll be coming. What's weird is I actually had seen takeout. And then when I watched it again on the criterion, I was like, wait a minute, I don't think I've seen this movie. Um, because I, I, it just was so different. I mean, not different. It's just looks so different. It really was apples and oranges almost. It was great. Yeah. Do you want me to talk a little bit about that? Well, absolutely. Yeah, okay. please, please. We we really went through an incredibly extensive restoration process. Um, our fellow producer, Alex Coco, who uh, was one of the producers on Red Rocket and a really, you know, uh, just just a friend of mine and also just just a wonderful producer he he produced the restorations and we went back to the original elements the mini dv tapes that uh, we shot takeout with completely um, we had to basically conform the whole film shot by shot mm. um, so that we could then you know uh, go through a regrading process an up res process we had to go from you know standard definition to 4k <laughs> so if you think about it it's, it's blowing the film up 10 times wow um we then um did a film out and back meaning we scanned we, we had the film scanned to celluloid 35 millimeter film they call it a film out so mm-hmm. so basically you're 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 digit you're you're going from a digital master to film and then you're scanning that film back to a digital master again to to uh apply the you know the uh, the organic you know elements that come along with celluloid film um it really does transform it and it's something that i think she ching and i always wanted 
to do with this movie because all of the Dogma 95 films from that era had gone through that process of going to film. And when, and, uh, and, um, and it really, we felt it really solidified the image, elevated the image, did something that really kind of like finalized the image eh, for the lack of many, many <laughs> words, but um. Uh, and, and so we never had the means at the time to do that. So through this restoration, we were able to do it. So then we, we went to film and back, we re regraded and we went to the original sound and completely remixed, um, you know, not doing a George Lucas on this, not, not <laughs> in any way changing the content, but just giving it finally the presentation we wanted it in both the visual and, and, um, you know, and both video and sound. So, yeah. yeah, Jar Jar would not have worked in um, Takeout. <laughs> um, and Shi Cheng, congrats yeah. to, to you as well. Um, and I, 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 saw, I didn't realize that you were a Taiwanese. Um, and I, I don't know when you moved to the States, but um, that sparked my interest. I love, uh, you know, the Taiwanese New Wave, New Taiwan Cinema from the 80s. Did you by chance grow up in that? And that was, um, that was fun. <laughs> Well, actually, I came to New York in 1998. Okay. So towards so the came, tail end, yeah. Yeah. So, but when I grew up, you know, of course, of course, I watched a couple of the Ho Xiaoxin's film, you know, sure, but yeah. at the time I was so young, I didn't even realize like how great those movies are. Mm -hmm. But now, like, I now went back to see all his uh, like 80s movie, like very beginning when he started making films. Those films are really, really, mm -hmm. really amazing you know like all the framing or the pace and the story like he is a true uh, filmmaker yeah and he's I he's one of my favorites and and Edward Yang um, but you know you don't compare a brighter summer day to take out <laughs> but um, but I just thought you don't meet a lot of Taiwanese um, um, Taiwanese American I guess is what you are um, so glad to have you again um, congrats to both of you on making the Criterion Collection Sean, I think, if I recall, I think we actually went through your top 10 list of criterions mm -hmm. the last time um, and just talked through them. But um, but how, how does it feel just to, how did it feel when you finally learned you were going to be on the label as a, as a well, fan? Well, we, we found out almost three years ago. Um, this so And so I was keeping it a secret for three years. <laughs> um, and it was hard. It was hard to keep that secret because, you know, this is, Honestly, uh, I think for me, one of the, it was like, it's a dream come true. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's the most prestigious label. Um, it, we are in the, we are in the incredible company, obviously. Right, right. Um, the, the greatest films in cinema history are on, on the criteria, in the Criterion Collection. So just uh, to be recognized um, amongst that crowd is just is mind-blowing to me it's surreal it's uh and especially for this little film that Chi Ching and I made by ourselves you know literally we were the crew uh Charles wow. Jang who acted in the movie uh was our third crew member um, <laughs> wow. made three thousand dollars um it was completely a passion project never knowing we would never dream that you know uh mm -hmm. close to 20 years later you know, this would be in the collection. And so it's, it's, it, I'm still, even though I knew, known about this for three years and it was a three-year process, uh, I'm, I'm still feel like I'm dreaming a bit. 
And I'm glad I'm glad you said that because we just having a podcast about Criterion for now. um, I don't know, seven, eight years, crazy amount of time. You know, we we kind of see their market and and they're they're, We learn a lot about just their business model, even even though they don't like to share much. We guess a lot, too. Um, But we know, uh, to your point, um, three years ago is when you got the news. But the thing is, um, remember, there was that New York Times article that came out, um, which I, again, I think they really leaned into and they really uh, embraced and we've gotten some great films out of that, but they didn't buy takeout as an Asian American, just because in response, obviously, because that was before the article. So, but, but nowadays I think they really are bringing in a lot of stories about um, people that don't normally um, show up in feature films uh, mm. and, but um, but this is very um, one of the few great Asian uh, American Asian films they have, I think, in the collection. So I, I just think it really belongs um, to capture those stories. So yeah, they've done a really good job, uh, especially bringing in Ashley Clark. Um, Ash has been great. Yeah, and you know to make sure that they're, you know, not just putting old white dude. Uh, which, you know, I love John Ford and I love, you know, <laughs> William Wyler and, but it's nice to finally get some diverse voices in the collection. It's been a long time coming. So that's very exciting. We've had some great releases the last couple of years and yours is one of them. So yeah, wonderful. And- and I kind of put this, not, not that I'm going to put your films in a box, but it's kind of, it's kind of like the ramen Baranis. Uh, you know, they're, they're very human stories. Of course, those are not Asians. They're um, different experiences. And then, of course, we have the Van Peebles and, you know, um, we actually, uh, Chan is Missing. So that was an Asian American, American film, Wayne Wang. Um, yeah. I guess Mississippi Masala technically counts. Um, I guess yeah. India is Asia, but um yeah no it's then it is the martin scorsese's uh world cinema project oh yeah mm-hmm. yes yeah. the f- is the fourth one's coming out it soon? actually yeah. is out this week uh came yeah. out this week yeah so um so, which you know bless him yes like <laughs> he he has done so you know when the um you know like every it seems like every uh, 24 hours <laughs> there's another you know, faux outrage about the Marvel versus Scorsese thing, which is just so ridiculous. But, mm-hmm. you know, um, he makes his own movies that are his experience, right? And in his wheelhouse. But everything else he's doing outside of his films, he is putting forth, you know, uh, supporting female filmmakers, world cinema. So, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he can make all the movies he wants about angry dudes with no <laughs> with no female dialogue. That is fine because everything else he's doing is wonderful in terms of uh, saving cinema and bringing forth, you know, awesome world cinema that otherwise we may not see. So, you know, yay, Papa Marty. We love Papa Marty on this show. Yeah. Speaking of, speaking of Netflix, those the Irishman, you know, I, I kind of wonder if that would happen today, but yeah. Uh, so Sean, advice. Don't, let's not talk about Marvel. <laughs> no, I, I don't <laughs> need to. Um, <laughs> oh, it, but I wanted to bring, I wanted to uh, go back to uh, Ramin Barani uh, and man push cart. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, it's, it's so nice that the, both of us, all three of us have um, our two films um, in the collection because I remember back in the day, I actually got an email from Ramin before 
both of our films had come out and he wrote to me just hearing through the grapevine and he said i think we've made very similar movies <laughs> <laughs> which if you look at the two films they absolutely. are absolutely yeah 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 and um and then he had great success with it with sundance and everything um but yeah i believe we actually made takeout well i think we made both films the same year um yeah takeout took a little while to get to come out because you know we we premiered in 04 at the festivals but we didn't our, our real theatrical didn't happen for almost four years later. Um, but but both films were made the same year, I believe. Wow. So you had competing indie, um, um, I guess, New York food. Delivery boy. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I was a pizza driver, so I, I, I can't relate to the Asian experience, but I can relate to the, hey, this asshole didn't give me a tip experience. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, so I do want to talk about takeout a, a little bit, but I I don't know if I told Sean if you'll indulge me. To, Sean, do you remember doing the uh, doing me a favor? Thank you by the way, and doing the Q and A talk back at our local theater here. Oh yes, of course, yeah. And yep. we had like terrible technical problems, and like I think they basically put a microphone through string and a cup, and it worked somehow. <laughs> so thank you for doing <laughs> I don't that. Remember that? But okay, cool. <laughs> they, yeah, maybe I saw that on, on my end. But what's funny is, is, so we did, um, you know, Screen the Floor Project. That was my first time seeing it. I, I don't, I think it was a pre-release. I'm not sure. And then you did a talk back to people in the audience. And Jill, we in the last episode, we talked about how much we love those. But um, it went well with you. <laughs> but okay. I think you'll find this funny. We invited um, a, a couple that's a very, very close friends of ours. Um, and one of them is a political science professor. Um, I think I've told you my wife is an English and linguistics professor. Mm. Um, and um, what's funny is the political science professor, like after the movie, he walked into the lobby and he basically made a scene. Like he had such a visceral reaction to that movie and not a positive one. Um, and he was just like, and you haven't seen the movie, Jill, but, um, but you know, obviously uh, the, the there were some bad, poor choices made. So it was more of a, you know, it was a very uncomfortable situation, but I just thought it was really weird that that reaction to see that reaction. Meanwhile, his wife actually was like, as a mother was blown away um, and complete opposite, like how, you know, there's motherhood exists in these circumstances and there is love there, but it's, you know, it's a very delicate balance, but um, yeah, she was blown away. It was just a really interesting experience, but I had to explain to the theater. Sorry about our friend. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't see it. He was, <laughs> So while you're doing the talk back, he was doing the ranting, ranting and raving in the hallway. <laughs> oh, this was for Florida Project. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is very interesting how um, different people view uh, the character of Haley in that movie. And I think that was part of our intention, you know, just to put it out there in a very objective way and, and see how, you know, um, the way people would apply their own politics, the way that people would apply their their own ethics and values and, and what they get out of it that way. And uh, we've been doing that all along, you know, Shi Ching and I, I think we did something very similar with takeout Mm -hmm. Um, no matter what your views are on immigration and immigration policy really doesn't matter. I mean, it matters because, you know, it's, it's, of course 
it's an opinion, but um, but it's more it's we, we're project we're 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 just putting fo- putting forth the uh, an objective look at a day in the life of an undocumented immigrant and 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 what this person might have to go through in a single day. Um, and and uh, we've applied that to every film since. So when I hear stuff like that, it's always so interesting because yeah, it can it it's uh, you know we're we're dealing with subject matter that definitely um people are passionate about and have strong opinions about so the films themselves and even characters and sub and plots within the films can be very divisive mm-hmm. well i think with like you know red rocket for instance very much in that vein but you don't have the expectation that you're going to be entirely on the you know when, when you read the premise you kind of know um if you're going to relate to this uh this individual at all um, right and that's and the I one guess. film where it's pretty obvious <laughs> my stance on the character. And, uh, but it was so strange to me when I was in a Red Rocket screening. Oh, God. And uh, a couple of guys who were by themselves up near the front of the theater uh, cheered when he uh, proposed to Strawberry. I'm like, oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, again, it definitely shows the different different points of view out there not what was intended yeah um anyway back to takeout uh yeah so i, I just rewatched it and I, I watched the supplements and and your commentary which by the way your commentary was very diy as, as well i loved yeah. that i don't know if you remember but um you're like sorry we're in union square sorry about the sirens and all that um and and also your lead actor um played ming i forget his yes. name charles Chen. yeah He's Korean. I had no idea. And, and he speaks great English. So yes. <laughs> having having watched him barely speak, um, except for have a nice day uh, with a big smile. Um, right. uh, yeah. So I think it was a, it's a great addition. I'm holding Yeah, it. we were actually going to record the commentary over again. This this was commentary that was recorded back in 06. Mm-hmm. And um, we we didn't really have anything new to say about the film. And so uh, the folks at Criterion, uh, they said, you know what, we really kind of like this old, old the old commentary. <laughs> it has uh, the DIY nature of the commentary matches the DIY nature of the film. So why not? And we we're like, okay, all right, sure. <laughs> they do that a lot. Uh, uh, and yeah, it does reflect who you, who you were. I, I, I did not expect to say, oh yeah, that, that's the guy from Greg the Bunny <laughs> that I work with. Uh, a lot of little, little things and having followed your career in the years since, uh, it was, uh, there were a lot of Easter eggs for for me and, and also getting to know you, uh, uh, Ching as well. Um, and, and talk about that film. So, uh, Ching, how did you feel when you, um, I, I guess it's been three years as well for you, but, um, how did you feel when you, um, learned this, this was going to be on the Criterion Collection? It was, it was really crazy, you know, and because EE just got released, you know, 4k rest- rest- restoration at, in the same, uh, collection. So I was like, wow, Which that's, one? uh, EE. You know, oh, at Edward Young. Yeah. Edward Young. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so beautiful. That was, yeah. yeah. So that was like a dream come true. Seriously. Yeah. A one and a two. Uh, that's one of my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Congratulations. And I think it's a, a beautiful film. Um, even even if it was arduous, I'm glad that you got it done, got the re- restore done. And um, so, so well, back to the commentary or the lack thereof, um, mm-hmm. you did two new supplements where you reflected on the film. Um, I think the three of you did, uh, you and the, the lead actor, I forgot his name again, played Ming. Um, so th- those were very enlightening as well, just kind of seeing the hindsight. So um, 
<laughs> yeah, we also have there there are new interviews that were done, but also with uh, Wang Fei Li and um, and uh, yeah. Zhang Zhang Yu, with, with, uh, two of the actors in the film, uh, Miss Li and and Johnny. Um, sorry, um, Shi Cheng. What is uh, Johnny's character's name? In the film? Uh, Yang. Young, so sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm forgetting my. Own he's character. he's he's the funny guy. <laughs> yeah. So well, we have we have Miss um Miss Lee and mm. um and and Young being interviewed now and reflecting back as well. Yeah, I watched that as well. So Big Sister, um, I I just love her in the movie, um, yeah. especially when I, I'm cl- glad you subtitled it. I don't know if this was your doing, but like when she would, um, you know, be talking to the customer in English, and then there'd be a little Mandarin with a F U. <laughs> um, <laughs> was that Cantonese actually? That was you. No, that oh, was Cantonese. Oh, that was Cantonese. Okay, yeah, they didn't. Okay. They didn't put the um the language. Uh, that's interesting though, and and also hearing Sean about the um the scene about uh, the smiling, you know, have a nice day scene and mm-hmm. how you shot that in Mandarin, but you had no idea. And I guess Shi Ching, you had to translate it. I do. Later. Yes. Okay. I had to translate the whole thing. Like, you know, especially when they speak Mandarin, but most of the, most of the film was scripted. So mm-hmm. Sean actually knew like what's going on, like vaguely because they mm-hmm. follow the script. But if they improvise, then obviously I will have to translate everything and Sean will understand like 100% what they're talking about. Yeah. And something like Miss Lee throwing in a little FU in between <laughs> there, that was improv. I bet. So I didn't know <laughs> that until that was like a beautiful little surprise for me in post production. I'm like, oh, she said that? Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> you know, so like <laughs> um, as a director, it was a weird experience, not really knowing what you get for a few days. Right. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> well, as a again, a former pizza driver, uh, I, I, this is not a spoiler, but I, I think the, if I remember the scene, it was when a gentleman gave um, like five dollars and change and um, and asked for bills. I would have said the same thing if I could speak another. Well, I can't speak another <laughs> language, but you know, French wouldn't have applied there. And besides, they might know that. <laughs> yeah, we did a few of those. That was actually a customer that comes to the shop, and I think because we spent a month there pre we we shot we showed up and we we basically um would visit the shop every day for a month Mm -hmm. shooting a lot of b-roll but also using that time for research and just observing and it seemed like every day around near closing somebody would come in with like a bag of change and just pour it onto the counter and expect Miss Lee to give them bills for the change. And it was just like this thing that would drive her up the wall. So of course we had to, you know, we had to put this into the script and, and make this happen. So that was actually a, uh, an actor who, you know, a, a cast actor that was not a hybrid moment. Well, it was a semi-hybrid moment because um, we told Miss Lee that sometimes we'd have actors coming in there and we wouldn't tell her who the actors were. And so nice. her reaction to that actor is quite, is all real. Mm-hmm. Um, however, yeah. the actor knew that it was completely like a, you know, a hidden camera moment. It was very neorealistic of you. Um, and I'm, I'm glad you, I, once you, I think the first thing you said on the supplement, the interview was Dogma 95. And of course yeah. that just clicked immediately. I was like, 
oh my, this is totally a Dogma 95. Of course, you broke a couple of rules, but so did they. Um, I think there, there's ADR. Um, but yeah, for, for listeners that don't know about Dogma, Dogma 95, actually, I'd recommend you get the celebration, um, the Festin that came out, um, in, I believe it was January this year. Mm-hmm. Really great disc. Um, and I think you mentioned the Idiots, um, Sean. Yes, I'm, Although- I'm, uh, I'm waiting for that. For I'm sure Criterion is going to be doing it soon. Um, I can't wait because uh, that's my favorite of the dog of the Dogma ninety five films. But yes, I would recommend anybody who hasn't seen the celebration to to uh, to grab that. Um, and the Blu ray is is wonderful and has so many uh, special you know features. Um, yeah, wow, yeah, it's really packed. And it's you know comparing Takeout with Festin, you know, it's it was not shot on high def, super high def. So I, I, I'm not sure if they went through the same process or, or the, I actually haven't seen the idiots, but um, from what I hear, it hasn't aged as well. Um, and I, knowing Lars von Trier, you know, sometimes he can, he can poke the hornet's nest sometimes. So I don't know. <laughs> really, it but, hasn't aged as well. Oh, um, that's, that's surprising. Um, I saw it recently, probably in the last three years, and I it's the same film to me. <laughs> okay, yeah, I haven't seen it, so maybe it might be. I, I think it's the way the uh, disabled people are treated, I, and I, I could be mistaken. Um, that, that, that yes, well, it definitely was. It was. It was edgy at the time, and it, obviously, we in the times we're living in now, it's even edgier. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And with Takeout, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you both pointed out um, in your interviews uh, um, and actually in your commentary as well, even though that was only a couple of years away, is that like the uh, this experience is not unique, um, um, you know, in 2004 or in 2022. And, mm. um, and there, there are a lot of stories like this. I mean, I go to New York regularly, frequently, and I see people like this all the time. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's I, I was actually, um, even though I'd seen it before, I was just really blown away seeing it the second time. So I'm really grateful. And it's a great addition. So recommend people pick it up. Not only are we still obviously uh, dealing with, you know, uh, how our country uh, Mm -hmm. handles um, undocumented immigration. And it's obviously a hot topic, especially with, you know, with our uh, Mexican border, but, um, but also what happened from COVID and the the gig economy, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, becoming so prevalent and people and, and, you know, the, the new wave of, you know, delivery people, whether it's through. So, so the film has taken on something new, I think in the last few years, um tackling the same subject but obviously the subject has changed uh you know culturally and politically um yeah here, here there's the something United. i noticed um like kind of during the height of uh of covid you know really 2020 before mm-hmm. we could all get our hands on a vaccine or whatever um mm-hmm. we had you know we were limiting how much we were going to the store because, you know, we don't want to get sick, you know, and I live in Georgia. Uh, so we never had, you know, really any mandates. Um, luckily we live in a very liberal County. We live in Atlanta. And so, you know, our local, um, governments did everything they could. Right. So we would limit how much we were, we would group trips together. You know, we didn't, 
let our daughter come with us. It was just one of us would go. And we, there was a whole process. It's insane to me what we were all doing. <laughs> you know, we were like doffing our clothes off when we got home, you know, cause we just didn't know mm-hmm. um, what this was. Right. Meanwhile, my very able-bodied white neighbors uh, were using all of the delivery services multiple times a week, Um, you know, having McDonald's delivered, having Mm -hmm. Starbucks delivered, having their groceries delivered. Mm -hmm. And it was always, always either black or Asian people Mm -hmm. who were, and they, and then they would say something. So like, I can't understand anybody that would go to the store during all of this, but then they were Mm -hmm. sending someone else to do it for them. So it was like, they didn't, they didn't have a problem sending, you know, predominantly black and Asian people to go Mm -hmm. do their shopping for them when there was absolutely no reason why they couldn't have done it themselves. So I think this, um, definitely would take on new meaning in mm. the kind of era that we're in and who is doing the gig work and the fact that, you know, uh, was it a week ago, two weeks ago, you know, mm. people are literally being treated as a political stunt and they're being yeah. flown, <laughs> you know, places. So mm. yeah, I'm very glad that this is in the collection. It's going to get a lot of, uh, eyes on it, uh, because this is definitely, um, a controversial subject, but it shouldn't be. Exactly. It shouldn't be at all. So, um, yeah, I can't wait to watch it. <laughs> the last time I was in New York was just before Delta. Um, so right when everybody was vaccinated and, you know, pandemic was briefly over for a second. You remember that? And I remember seeing <laughs> um, uh, bikes, uh, you know, DoorDash, Grubhub, you know, they were all like, um, you know, kind of huddled together, hanging out, waiting for their next, um, their next you know, gig, their next um, uh order and um and so takeout of course if you live in new york you see bike you've seen bike delivery persons or messengers for you know decades but um but you're right it's it really has become um you know a very vital part of people's lives even today i think it's um and but one thing i have heard and i don't know if it's the case in new york but I've, i've heard that the money is actually pretty good and that's um that's why a lot of restaurants are struggling to find people because there are so many different options. So I don't I can't really speak to that. Um, well, in terms of the I, I consider those who were doing those jobs and are doing those jobs uh, during a pandemic um, frontline work. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. And, totally. Yeah. And I don't think they got nearly the, the respect um, or even the support they um that's no. Cool. And especially when I'm hearing my neighbor complain about how they picked up the wrong, mm-hmm. you know, brand mm-hmm. of something. And then well, so that I, I didn't tip them because of that. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, you know, like, mm-hmm. I, that I can't talk a- to you anymore. This is terrible, you know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, it's the, what they all went through, um, and they still are going through. I know that some of, you know, there were some strikes that happened, um, and I don't know if they got mm-hmm. what they right. were asking for, but it's, it's hard work and I don't think they get nearly enough credit or compensation for it. So, and, um, and how can you strike when you're undocumented? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. No. And, and they're always going to be the most vulnerable and they're going to be taken advantage of. And yeah, you're exactly right. How can you ask for something when, you are undocumented and the rest of this country is treating you as less than so that, Mm -hmm. you know, 
And how can you report a crime? Exactly. You know, that was one of the yeah. major yeah. things with takeout yeah. that we wanted yeah. to explore the fact that, and again, I, I don't want to get into spoiler territory, but, um, <laughs> you know, there's, there's a moment in the film in which I guess um, it, it, it's something that um, our lead character cannot report mm-hmm. because right. of his status. Mm-hmm. And um, it was, that was very important for us to cover. I'm not going to spoil that scene, but um, hearing him talk about, uh, you know, what happened immediately after and how, um, you know, he kind of worked his way up to that point was mm. was something that was uh, I, I recommend again, as I'm like on the preface, precipice of spoiling it. But I recommend listening to the commentary just to hear him describe that that um, I can't yes. imagine what it was like to shoot that. Um, <laughs> I've, I think I know what you're talking about. And uh, I've shot one of those types of scenes in every one of my movies. But Charles, um, Charles gave it his all. And, and Charles is amazing. He truly is. Um, wonderful actor who was completely devoted. Um, again, like he became our third crew member um, because yeah. between when he when he wasn't acting, he was helping us hold the boom pole. Um, <laughs> and, but, you know, also just uh, we we weren't expecting we scripted the film for rain mm-hmm. for dramatic purposes. Um, we had we were blessed, though, with the rainiest June in recorded history. Uh, oh, wow. At that time, since then, there's been a, a near <laughs> June, but it was just every day we would we would leave our apartment and look up and see those thunder, you know, those dark clouds and feel the drizzle, you know, feel feel uh, the beginning of the rain coming down and saying, oh, we're blessed, um, <laughs> you know, but Charles had to to. He, we were okay. I mean, Xi sure. Ching was driving a car. I was in the back of the car shooting. We were dry. Charles had to be in that rain for 30 days biking in that. And even though it's June, it's still, it was cold rain. It was mm-hmm. it, for some reason, New York was cold that June. And um, yeah, he, he, he was a trooper. He was. Yeah. And with that one set of costume too. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. This, that one jacket boy. Yeah. And I, the, the driving in the streets, I was kind of wondering how you shot that. I figured it had to be a car, but um, like, you know, yeah. and I've, I've driven in New York. It's not fun. We were, we were a lead. We were a lead car. Okay. Um, and uh, we just did it guerrilla style. We basically... I was going to ask. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, 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 we, yeah, no, no permits whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I think the statute yeah. of limitations is up. I yeah, think you're yeah, yeah, yeah. That was well, my next was, question. I figured that that, yeah. Yeah, um, we did get location releases from all of the different apartment buildings that we nice. shot at. But, um, but, you know, all the street stuff was all technically stolen. Um, <laughs> and um, that's okay. It's not against the law. It's just, you know, not mm-hmm. right. But um, no, we we basically um, had you know Charles was had had time to observe the men he, uh, who actually worked at the restaurant, and he went out with them a few times. Shi uh, Ching, I didn't go with you two. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? I remember you you guys went out and with the real delivery men, yeah, uh, observed their route, and I remember Charles coming back with just a, a wealth of material. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Oh yeah, we went out with the a young delivery guy. His his name actually is Young. Mm-hmm. We took the name uh, okay. for for the, one of the characters. So he was so young. He just came to I think he just came to New York, like you know he mm-hmm. just went to New York at the time. So he that, that I think that was like the first couple months he worked in that restaurant. So 
you know, he took us, he took us on and we went to the delivery with him for probably like just an hour. Hmm. So, you know, we basically follow him and then we'll see how he interact with the customers like mm-hmm. firsthand. So that was a, that was a very eye uh, opening experience because this, uh, this, this uh, delivery man, Yang, he that he did not speak any English. I remember now, that it was, did, yeah, he didn't understand anything. So he was just knocking on the door and he, he basically did the same thing like, mm-hmm. uh, like the character in takeout. So that was definitely some, you know, it's a very, it's very um, real experience for, for us, you know, for me and also for Charles. Mm-hmm. So we firsthand, we, we saw how, you know, people treat him and how he interact with them. Yeah, it really comes through in the film too with Charles, um, Jill. That what you described about getting the wrong order, um, you know, that happens in the movie. And and just imagine trying to tell somebody who doesn't understand, you know, maybe understands every fifth word of what you're saying, um, that you have a problem right. with the order. Um, and then ha- him having to go back, you know, and he of course he needs that money to live. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought he. Uh, I'm sure that made it into his performance because I, um, it was a little awkward, you know, seeing him at all these doors, not saying anything, but you know, that it was very, the spirit of real realism. Um, it, it was um, yeah very effective. And then, um, well, uh, real quick, I, I, I really love that you brought up uh, the B-roll footage, Sean, because, um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of documentary style filmmaking, um, you know, like Barda is one of my favorite directors, mm. she rest in peace. And yet you know, she kind of, balance both and sometimes incorporated both into her, her films um have have you and and uh Xi Ching, have you both taken that to other films or is this pretty much your um cinema verite slash fiction film i think we definitely have a lot in tangerine yeah i can tangerine see that also, yeah. we, we just walk on the street we, we didn't have really have a have a, a specific plan sometimes we just walk and then see you know who who they are going to talk to on the street because that's basically the Kiki and Maya. That's mm-hmm. their their territories, so they know everybody on the street. So we best sometimes we just follow follow them and see what you know what's go, what will happen to them. Basically, it's like it's like a documentary pro- approach. Could totally see that with Tangerine. Yeah, I hope they're doing well. By the way, I, um, are they acting much? Maya is, uh, we're trying to get a tangerine show off the ground to support Maya, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because unfortunately the industry has not embraced her yeah. like they should. Um, she's, she's won amazing. historic awards and she's, you know, she's, she's incredibly talented and deserves this. Kiki had made the decision not to continue, not to, to pursue acting, but Maya, yeah, no, I, um, you know, she's had a, a, a few gigs. She is doing well in terms of just her life and she's, That's- you know, happy and living in North Dakota. Um, but we're really hoping that this Tangerine series uh, gets off the ground so that she can have this, this can be her gig. And she, she deserves this. Um, yeah. Like a film series or a theatrical? No, it's a, it's a, it will be a Theater. series. Um, you TV. know, um, yeah. Television. TV. Okay. Oh, that, that would make sense. Screen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're hoping to, you know, uh, to hand the entire series over into the, the hands of uh, trans creatives. So mm-hmm. it'll be trans uh, primarily trans written and directed and edited and shot. Uh, I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
and and Maya is going to be doing some of the co-writing. Uh, so so excited about that, and and hoping that 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 works out. Keep my fingers crossed. And Criterion, Criterion has well, Paris is burning. Um, I, I don't know if you'd call that the trans experience. Technically, I think that was more just the um, you know just the the dress. Um, I, I don't think they refer to them as trans, but. I'm trying to think if, they, if they've actually had a film that has uh, embraced trans culture, but you're right. It's something that I think is lacking in Hollywood. Uh, and that's oh, disappointing. Yeah. That's disappointing. Oh, yeah. yeah. So very happy to hear that, that you're putting um, focus on getting actual trans people involved. That's mm-hmm. wonderful. Yes, definitely. Love it. I keep seeing uh, Don Davenport creeping over your shoulder there. <laughs> I think, is that Don Davenport? Oh, um, you mean uh, from uh, Divine from Female Trouble, yes. right? Okay, yep. all right. Female That's my sign. I love uh, it. My sign, <laughs> Female Trouble poster. Nice. John Waters personalized it to me. Wow. Um, okay, yeah. I just, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's Dawn back there. She's, she's, yeah. you know, she's who I aspire to be. She's amazing. <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. Sorry. And, and John, John Waters is great too. And I love his interviews on other films. So Sean, if you ever get another film in the collection, see if John Waters can talk about it. He's, uh, yeah, he, he, he's, <laughs> he's been incredible and quite a supporter. Um, oh, really? Yeah. He, he's been a supporter of all my films, which is really wonderful. And I got to go to That's Provincetown and, and speak with him. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for his new book. Um, but but really quick, just going back really quick, uh, you mentioned you asked Xi Ching about um, the sort of the style of takeout and whether we took it um, to other films. And, yeah, I believe all the films that we made since takeout um, have been stylistically dictated by takeout. Uh, takeout is where we sort of learned. It was our film school. We went to film school, but <laughs> right, <laughs> didn't right. learn this way. <laughs> films. And being the fact that we had $3,000, we had to like figure out and we were being very inspired by not only Dogma 95, but Cinema Verite in general, yeah. the Dardenne yeah. brothers. And, and uh, oh, so wow. we, we were, we were pursuing that and trying to figure it out on our own, how to make it happen. And it just basically led to us discovering how to shoot, um, a, a hybrid style film, um, you know, where you were in a real location, um, half the people in the scene are usually real people, sometimes not even aware they're being shot at first. Um, almost everybody, except for the main cast are, um, non-professionals. Um, and we were putting them in real situations and, you know, with a, uh, you know, with a, with a plot and, and script as our backbone, but really embracing whatever real life brought to the table. And we were very happy with the results. And we brought, we did exactly the same thing on Prince of Broadway. I mm-hmm. did exactly the same thing in little, um, in moments of Starlet, uh, for example, the, 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 you know, the porn convention. That's a real convention that we just take our actors to put them in the middle of it and <laughs> and shoot our scenes within a real environment. We've That's done so that funny. with everything, every single film, but it all stems from takeout. Takeout was what really taught us how to do it. Nice. That's, um, that's awesome. That's a great, I mean, it's a great first, I mean, even though it's not technically your first film, but it's your, hmm. you know, your, that's your signature film, I guess. Um, and and when yeah. when I get to see that your actual first film, I'll uh, I'll let you let you know. It's a very different. <laughs> it's very different <laughs> from my other films. It was sort of my autobiographical, like let me get this out of my system thing. Um, <laughs> it's about um, 
it's probably a subject matter that most people don't even want to see these days. It's about uh, cisgender, straight, white dudes in the suburbs um, and and my tackling of that and really a look at, um, you know, that uh, post-pubescent male psyche. That was really what I was tackling. Um, so if you can imagine a more serious uh, Kevin Smith <laughs> or something <laughs> yeah. like that, that's what I was doing. Um, and, um, you know, that film has been restored too, and you'll be able to see that um, within the next year, uh, hitting some platforms. I can't tell you where it's going just yet, but um, that film was shot on 35. <laughs> so, oh, wow. you know, yeah. So uh, my first film was 35 and my second film was SD video. <laughs> and <laughs> SD video was a much better movie. Yeah. <laughs> and, and congrats uh, on not no longer being the iPhone guy. So you had that as well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we've, we've, we've experimented with all mediums. Let me ask uh, both, uh, both of you, what, what films that you saw growing up inspired you? Like what inspired you to, to become filmmakers and what films or, or directors are influenced you the most, I guess. Okay. I have so many. Um, <laughs> why don't you go first? Oh gosh. Well, the, I went, I was a very mainstream. I grew up in the suburbs. This was pre-internet. So there was my, you know, we, we were only, we were only exposed to a certain amount of Indian foreign film. So, you know, that, that actually didn't kick in until I was at NYU and I had okay. access to, you know, the Kim's video and, and, and the local libraries. Um, but so going to NYU, I was, I thought I was going to be the next, you know, making the next RoboCop or Die Hard. You know, <laughs> I grew up on on Hollywood mainstream yeah. movies, and um, and you know, did my best as a cinephile to explore. You know, outside of that, uh, but it took the like. For example, I'll take Verhoeven. Uh, Verho the first mm -hmm. film I saw from Verhoeven was RoboCop. But then, you know, as a, you know, uh, somebody who was just in love with what he was doing, started to explore his earlier work and realizing that, you know, he, you know, his in and seeing his art house films from, you know, from the Netherlands. Um, uh, but it took that, you know, it, it, took, right. it took the initial uh, Hollywood blockbuster to 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 you know, to be exposed uh, to certain directors. But then there was always there was the art house theater that was like probably like a 40 minute drive from my parents' place. And so I was exposed to Jim Jarmusch when I was around 16 or 17. Hmm. And so that, and then of course, Spike Lee with do the right thing that had a major impact on me. And so by the time at the end of my high school years, I had been, I was slightly moving away from my desire to make big Hollywood blockbusters. And the whole reason I went, I chose NYU was because of Jim Jarmusch and Spike Lee. Spike so Lee. I that was already I started to see my direction changing. By the end of my my 4 years at NYU, I was completely into per pursuing alternative cinema, indie cinema, you know, um uh, with with influence coming from world cinema like you know i i saw mike lee's naked my senior oh great yeah year, my, yeah at nyu so and that was you know mind-blowing mm -hmm. so yeah yeah um so it started off very hollywood and by the time i was actually <laughs> making films it was uh it, it had that i had that indie indie see spirit. what i would love for you to do is do a indie version 
your take of the big blockbuster in an indie way. So make your ro- make your RoboCop in like a very uh, Sean you know, Baker way. He had that shot. He um Nacho Friday. <laughs> he, yeah. he he did Groundhog Day in commercial, but I think that's actually your most mainstream work. Uh, Yet, um, oh, this is oh the nacho fries. <laughs> You're talking about the Taco Bell spot. Taco Bell commercial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was able to shoot with like uh, Larry Sure shot that. Larry Sure shot the Joker. Shot Hangover. So yeah, I was working with a very very Hollywood. So that geek. that paid for the restoration. Uh, <laughs> yes, it was one of that. Yes, so. one of, yeah, yeah. In that case, we we funded you because we we bought some nacho fries. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny yeah but um but yeah but i think by the time she ching and i met we met when i went i went to the new school back to the new school to take um continuing adult education i was like i i did i graduated from nyu before the digital revolution or just mm-hmm. as the digital revolution was happening so we didn't learn nonlinear editing i had to learn that on my okay. own and then i felt like i better go to school and learn this right and so i went to yeah. you know new school that's where she ching and i met and we were at that point we were bonding over all the art films that were nice. that were playing okay. in the area. You know, the new schools on 13th Street. So the quad is right down the street. Right, right. You know, mm-hmm. a little further down is Angelica. So I remember Shi Ching and I were uh Shi Ching, what were some of the films that you and I saw in the theater around that time? Do we see Oasis? I think we saw Oasis. I think we probably so, saw Oasis. And we saw the idiots together. Remember yeah. together. Lila Forever. Lila Forever and Infant, Dardenne Brothers. Uh, oh, yeah. L'Enfant. Yeah. 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 The, uh, the Sun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, sun, uh, see, My Secret Sunshine. Secret Sunshine, what, yeah. What's funny is uh, Sean uh, turned me on to Li, Li Shangdong uh, last time. Well, I, I'd already seen uh, Secret Sunshine, um, but mm-hmm. I had, hadn't seen Oasis. So I, I did watch that after we uh, recorded the last time. And loved it. Um, and of course, since Burning is like one of my, it, it's actually on my top uh, favorite movies of all time. Mm. Love mm. that film. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, uh, I, if Criterion's uh, listening to this, please, uh, Oasis has to be put out right. You know? Oh, no, they have a 4K restoration. They did. They, they do, yeah. but it wasn't a in Criterion ta- release. No, it but they Korean. have released in Taiwan. Yeah. yeah. And I have a Korean import, which looks beautiful, but. Yeah. I think I have that same one. And in fact, I think on your recommendation, I bought it at, like that day. Um, I, I have a habit of buying stuff on the show. So, um, and it, I mean, again, dip, kind of like the idiots, you know, different, um, difficult subject matter, um, difficult lives, but, um, but great movie. Um, so I'm glad you saw that one. And so as far as your other films, um, you know, I didn't really realize the impact you'd had on um, Xi Ching, but there you know, you've worked. Have you worked on all of his films together since? I yeah, I did. After Take I worked on Starlet, uh, Tangerine, Florida Project, and the Red Rocket. So we we like to start rumors, and I know you can't confirm or deny. So we we think there's going to be a whole box set of like everything. So um, <laughs> <laughs> it might be. So if cr- Criterion, if you're listening, yeah, we'll we'll hit up Ash later and say, hey, make it happen. Um, <laughs> but so also just so you know we're making 35 millimeter prints of all of them because now there's been this resurgence yeah. of uh 
you know, uh, of people's interests in in seeing films on 35. Mm -hmm. uh, I live here in Los Angeles where, you know, you, you know, Tarantino's The New Beverly uh, will only show on 35. Right, That's right. right. So to yeah. show a film there, you have to have a print. And so we're making prints of all of these films, starting with Tangerine. Uh, we saw, I, I got to see the 35 millimeter print of Tangerine and I am really happy with it. Nice, I mean, like nice. it wow. really looks. It it elevates. It takes that iPhone footage and even elevate it, elevates it to a, a the next level. Gives it that organic quality I was looking for. And um, yeah, so if if you're in a if you're in a city that may have a theater that projects thirty five. You know, request uh, one of my films because the right. definitely going to be out. I'm there. gonna I'm gonna shoot a line to the owner Chris Escobar of the Plaza Theater here in Atlanta. Oh, great! Because uh, they have capability, 35 capability. Mm -hmm. It's uh, the oldest or close to the oldest theater in the. It is the oldest theater in the um, mm -hmm. city, and it it's had a very uh, uh interesting uh history um it was you know one of the neighborhood theaters in the 30s and then uh when movie going kind of fell off in the 60s and 70s it became a porno theater mm. um and then it went through that for a while and then uh it <laughs> got purchased and became a rep house and mm. they still had the um original seats so there was always <laughs> like you know you're thinking oh i don't know i'm sitting in the same seat that was also sat in during w does dallas so you know there was always that was it kind of added to the to the vibe a little bit but it's yeah, been uh restored and but keeping all of the you know kind of original aesthetic and um there was a they actually had to get rid of their 35 projector because there was a I mean you guys know this like there was a good maybe 10 ish years where you could only get digital prints mm -hmm. no film was being circulated right. and so they had to like upgrade and get a digital projector they almost went out of business a million times but they were able to get um, protection and nonprofit status and then now they can do DCP they can do 35. Uh, they can do 70. So mm. it's awesome to see film, the the medium of film come back. Uh, you know, I'm not a purist by any means. I do know, I mean, you mentioned Tarantino, you know, I've been to the new Bev mm. and, you know, it's only on film, but I will say that seeing, and I've seen some wonderful DCP prints that, mm -hmm. oh my God, I've never had an, an experience like that, but Hmm. seeing something on film yeah. uh whew, that's just another level um i think uh aaron and i were discussing this um but i saw carissa the first time i ever saw kurosawa's ron mm -hmm. was on was on 35 and my god i mean just yeah you can't you can't top that we were just talking so. about 2001 was mine and i saw days of heaven at moma and i remember I, there was a crack crackling and like the audience applauded so it's, it's oh, yeah. very cool yeah yeah um so sean i have to ask so you so you've you've become uh you know a tastemaker um I, I we follow i think we follow each other on letterbox but i i every time i look at a movie <laughs> i see your review there and i'm like 
and it always has a ton of likes. So um, cheers on that, um, especially with independent <laughs> art art film. Um, I really think you've you've done a you know not not just making your own films, but you know promoting and helping out other directors. Um, really love hearing your voice. I've clicked like on your um your, your reviews a lot. Um, oh, that's but, nice. I don't really review. I, I just right. log. I right. you know I, I I don't I don't just I I don't want to review my my peers' films. I don't sure. Think but um they call it a review yeah yeah but i do i do i use letterbox to log what i watch and but and then i use you know instagram and um twitter even though i oof, twitter oof, what a twitter's word. a real uh, shit show yeah, it really is <laughs> um but i do i use it to just you know to, to get the word out there about mm-hmm. other people's films and to you know spread the love you know um we have to do that for each other um mm-hmm. and, i love that yeah. Do you yeah. do y'all um every year or it seems like maybe the every year for the past three years or so, Steven Soderbergh um will share his viewing log for the mm. previous like around New Year's. Have y'all yeah. looked at this? He'll put it on his Soder blog, mm-hmm. um, which is so cute. That's so cute. But um he uh, I love seeing so like you know, you're sharing what you're showing. But I love seeing what what directors watch. And for him, he's a fan of that reality show Below the Deck. Hmm. He watches a shitload of Below the Deck. So I love seeing this great director. Like even he can be pulled into compelling reality television. (laughs) You know, you go, oh, you're just like us, you know? Well, if you look at Letterbox, you can see Sean's Sean's film diary. You, you are you see also trash. watching Below the Deck? <laughs> no, but I do watch. People are surprised because I watch a lot of genre, and I watch genre for uh, to really study craft. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I'm entertained by it, but and and so, and I also uh, I find I've been really on a kick for the last five years, and I think you can see it in Red Rocket. But I a real um, love of real affinity for um italian genre films of the late 60s and early 70s hmm. um and, and, I'm, and i'm talking like all the genres like from the sex comedies erotic thrillers to you know the euro crime and giallo and and spaghetti westerns you know all of it because i feel that the craft level is just so high even though we were making what you know one would consider an exploitation film. I, you know, the craft behind it was, was so sophisticated and, and, um, and just the aesthetic that I love. So I think you can see that in Red Rocket and it's something that I'm, I'm embracing even more for my next film. So that's why, if you're nice. wondering why I'm watching a lot of like, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> you're I'm saying really... I'm totally fine. <laughs> Nothing's wrong. Yeah, yeah. Well, but also, you know, we live in a day, uh, I really have to acknowledge that like we are living in a great time for film restoration. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these old titles, not just Criterion, there's all these yeah. other beautiful boutique labels um, you know, under that uh, OCN umbrella, you know, Vinegar Syndrome, Fun, Fun City Editions, uh, you know, you have Severin, you have Arrow, you have mm-hmm. uh, now Kat Ellinger's new um, label, Radiant. Yes. Oh, uh, I didn't hear yes. about that. Okay. Oh, I, I know Kat, of course. Um, you know, yeah, I'm, I just, um, I, there's almost too much. I actually have mm-hmm. some, some, sometimes I have 
like a panic attack. Am I going to be able to watch all these movies <laughs> in my lifetime? You know, um, I can't tell you how many films I have downstairs that are still in plastic. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. It's yeah. so much so that my husband makes the, the joke, you know, from Twin Peaks when Jack Nance says, you know, she, he found <laughs> Laura Palmer's body wrapped in plastic. He, <laughs> he does the wrapped in plastic every time. And every time a new thing comes in, he's like, so how long is it going to take for you to un- unwrap this one? And actually, you know, it's an embarrassment of riches, mm-hmm. right. That we have. Um, I just, I just pre-ordered. I was, I had actually had to take a muscle relaxer. So I was very <laughs> kind of out of it and it was late. And all of a sudden my phone's going off and all of my friends are pinging me because this label in Australia, because it's, you know, morning there mm-hmm. and they had just announced something called box of Bert. And it's a whole box set <laughs> yeah. of Burt Reynolds. And just so our listeners know, and Sean and Shi Ching, so you know, when Burt Reynolds died, I, I love Burt Reynolds. When he died, I posted on Facebook the the Cosmo, uh, you know, centerfold he did, where he's oh, you know yeah. naked and all hairy and laying on a on a bearskin rug, and Facebook took it down for pornographic material. So oh. I got pissed off, and I posted a folder called "82 Ways to My Heart," and I put 82 copies of the Burt Reynolds photo in it for every year he was alive, as <laughs> as a tribute, and they permanently shut down my um account for uh for porn pornographic material so i i have achieved this folk hero status amongst my (laughs) friends because i i took down and in my final appeal to facebook to try to save my account i just said fuck you zuck on it so um i lost my account over it but um so all of my friends every time there's any kind of burt reynolds related news they're pinging me immediately mm-hmm. so i'm hit, laying there in bed strung out on muscle relaxers and i'm like pre-ordering this australian box set it's got both cannonball runs it's got <laughs> oh. the man who loved women it has uh the best little whorehouse in texas because of course it does it's a masterpiece yeah and it has um there's a uh, stroker ace <laughs> and it comes with posters it comes with a bumper sticker that has the cosmo picture of Bert on it. This is honk. If you love Bert, mm. it has an air freshener. We are living <laughs> in just an amazing time. The fact that I can order this set. Yes. I know. What you and mean. it's going to be there, you know, I, yeah. I just, yeah. it's and like polyester. We got the scratch, scratch and sniff. Um, you, we've got you the scratch and sniff polyester. <laughs> I know. Oh, I was just saying, we just went to a screening of polyester. My husband and I at the Plaza and mm. Mink Stoll was there and uh we got we got the the odorama cards and it was i mean i love that movie but i had never seen it like that with with the the scratch and sniff and yeah. it was a fun experience yeah it's so it's it, the restorations on his films are, are amazing oh God. Mm-hmm. the wonderful so that great. they're all out there they, they really i are. actually yeah. j- just jumping into another director real quick my the the let's see i have on pre-order I believe I've lost highway and daisies, but lost highway. I just got to see, they had a screening of it here in yes. LA the other day. And Oh my God, that film has aged really well, mm-hmm. really well. Like, I, I actually think it 
might be up there with my favorite David Lynch's like, wow, maybe over blue velvet for me. Um, and uh, it's, I cannot wait to see what they've done. I saw a 35 print here in in, okay. in LA, but I cannot wait what to see what their 4k looks like. And, yeah, there's uh, been a little bit of, I say, controversy mm-hmm. um, oh, really? amongst, yeah, just well, with Kino, you mean? Uh, Kino put the movie well, out. Well, that, and then, um, but then also like the upgrading it. Uh, what was it oh. shot on? No, no, you're talking about Inland Empire. Yeah, yeah. Totally confused. You're right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. It was Inland. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But that's yeah. that's a thing. I mean, one car why? You know, yeah, he yeah. he tweaks with his films and the the uh, film Twitter riots over it. So, um, which I'm just like, you know, you're not. They're not. Again, this is not a Lucasification exactly. of of exactly. this. You know, God bless George Lucas. But you know, you're not. If you are able to do something with the film that you weren't able to because the technology wasn't there or the mm-hmm. you didn't have the means the financial means to do it yeah. and this is the way you envisioned it to be go for it absolutely yeah mm-hmm. that's how we felt about takeout and it's interesting yeah. we had this conversation with john waters um wow. a few years mm-hmm. ago and he says of course i'm going to make the film look as good as i can make right. it look of course yeah uh, some for his films especially people almost want some people want the beat up 16 millimeter print you know <laughs> right that, right yeah um, yeah but but come on i mean like if we can see the film the way he originally intended it the 16 millimeter elements or whatever he shot on the elements are out there scan right. them right mm-hmm. put it out there right you know if you really want it to look that crappy maybe squint a little yeah people attach I mean, we all attach that nostalgia Absolutely, to, you yeah. know, the first experience. I mean, but if we're going to talk about that, I mean, God, you know, in the era of, you know, uh, pan and scan, I mean, how yeah. many all movies right, right. did we see that way? And that's just ridiculous for me to go, I can only watch this or, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I, I saw every every influential film I saw on a you know Magus Magnavox thirteen yeah. inch that mm-hmm. was made in nineteen seventy seven yeah. uh, <laughs> with a shitty VHS or a copy of a copy of a copy that I got from a friend, yeah. and um, you know I still have that in my memory, but mm-hmm. my God, I don't want to watch the movie like that anymore, you know, so. <laughs> Um, and that's like with polyester or with uh, female trouble. First time I watched it was in college on a crappy television on a crappy VHS. And I yeah. still remember it. That memory is not gone, but thank you so much, John waters for making this look really good. Yeah. <laughs> Except so, for pink flamingos. I'm still on the fence about. <laughs> no, well, you know, it's, it's I mean, out there. It looked good. Yeah. <laughs> it just didn't taste good. Well, on, on that note, um, uh, and by the way, Sean, you, you were mentioning um, Italian. I was just was thinking about Simon riding a bike, and I could totally see that that shot being uh, a spaghetti western or something. Um, and <laughs> yeah, the whole, I, I, we were just the whole ending is very yeah. west uh, influence, a spaghetti western. Yeah, I, I, uh, I won't with, spoil. Yeah, the house. Yeah, with Judy Hill in the in the backyard and telling him he has to be out of town by midday and that was like spoilers spoilers yeah but that was very (laughs) i mean obviously now even i don't know if it was like such a conscious thing that i was going for but now now looking back two years later i'm like oh obviously that was on my mind yeah 
it yeah. really works. Yeah. I was actually yeah, thinking, how is he going to write wrap this up? You know, <laughs> um, and uh, it worked. So cool. uh, I have to ask Sean. Um, oh, but by the way, you were talking about film restoration. We had uh, the deaf crocodile guys on. Uh, I don't yeah. know, it was about a year ago, and we got really deep in that. And probably the episode after yours, there might be one in between it, um, is with Serge from Lobster Films. Um, and I mm. think that's. I think it's among our favorite episodes we've ever done. Yeah, he's so like, great. You probably know Serge. Uh, he's Serge Bromberg over in, in France. Um, we actually recorded it earlier this year, but uh, my, my COVID got in the way. But yeah. I have to ask, um, so we have Starlet. Um, I think Starlet is the only one of your films now, except for your first film presently that doesn't have a release, and Prince of Broadway. Any plans for that or – you tangerine and and i guess i don't know how a24 is handling you know um florida project or red rocket but are there going to be any special editions there will be some special editions coming out overseas so there will probably be a a region b of uh florida project and tangerine um and then as we mentioned earlier four letter words will be getting something soon Mm-hmm. Just can't tell you exactly what that is, but it will right. be the restoration will be coming out within the next year, and then Prince of Broadway shortly after that. And that so Prince of Broadway has already been restored; it's just basically waiting on its release, and that'll be sometime in twenty three. Again, I I can't mention the uh, the label, but it's a good one. And um and then Starlet is out there on Blu Ray, put out by Music Box, so you can okay. get okay. Blu Ray okay. of Starlet that looks quite nice and has a lot of great features. And again, there may be another, you know, da- a little down the line, a uh, something out of uh, the UK within the next year. You know, I I remember um, you said on another podcast um, that. I think you said takeout was with a label and it, it's a good one. And you didn't say which one. So I'm not, I'm not putting words in your mouth. <laughs> we're not saying anything. But I think we talked about that. We were like, hey, Sean said this. What do you think? Look, of our, we right. our listeners love uh, clues and mm. they love trying to piece things together. It's what keeps, uh, keeps them sane. So we'll just let everybody discuss amongst themselves yeah, yeah, and yeah. sometimes we just make it up so apologies in advance for um this rumor <laughs> that's going to circulate uh but great talking to you great meeting you yes. uh Ching, and, so oh and um are, are you want to say anything about the films you're about to make uh or you're in the progress of making i think you're both are oh, you yeah. pre or the Shi new Ching? project is called La Penny girl and we co-wrote the script probably 15 years ago and mm-hmm. what's interesting is this idea actually came before takeout, but wow. we oh, okay. take out first. And then finally we got, you know, we got investor and we got, you know, everything put together. We, we were able to make left Honey girl this year. We, I just finished the production, uh, the, the shooting in August and Sean is added in the film right now. Yeah. And hopefully we'll be able to premiere in Film festival early next year. Nice. That's awesome. Well, keep us posted, and um, yeah, and Sean, I guess that's that's why we're you're easy to get. So I, I think we talked once, and you were in Vancouver, so couldn't weren't available. But um, are, are you yeah. going to be um making something well, you you mentioned? We were we were developing a film up in Vancouver, 
for two years and COVID put that on a temporary hold, which is oh. still on a temporary hold. I was worried about that. Um, yeah, it's, it's right. about it's about drug user activism and it's in the community there. Um, if anybody knows the downtown east side, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're they're obviously it's a um it's a community that, uh, you know, during a pandemic, it's it's just not safe to to shoot there. Right. Sure. The sure. Of the community. Um, so we're waiting. We're waiting a little bit longer and making another, uh, you know, another film probably along the lines. If you had to categorize it, it it's closer to, to Red Rocket than my other films, um, meaning just a, a small story. Uh, mm-hmm. um and we, I can't give you much more than that, except that we're going, we're trying to go into production in the winter. Okay. So, uh, okay. Yeah. Well, um, Excellent. I, I do appreciate, uh, you know, we've had a lot of conversations about like sex workers and how they're portrayed. I think that's the appropriate term, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, working girl came to the collection. So, um, so I really, I, I love that you're approaching that subject. So, um, you know, Red Rocket might be, uh, more comedy than, um, hmm. than, than Starlet, definitely more than Starlet, but, um, yeah, I hope I'm, I'm, and I'm glad, even though, you know, of course, you know, drugs are bad. Okay. Um, but that's, uh, <laughs> also, sorry, South Park reference. Um, yeah, I got, I got it fully. That's also, uh, you know, a, a, a population that does not, um, well, except for like, uh, euphoria, is that the TV show? Like, you know, you don't really see a lot of, um, like humanity from those characters in film. We're we're trying to approach it in a very different way. That's that's another reason why we're sort of putting this on hold for now. The world is is focused on so many other things, and uh, right. and so politically, the, this film is asking a lot from the audience to to completely, uh, you know, rethink the way they think about drug use, uh, drug users, drug dealers, everything. So it's. Um, it's something I think I have to wait until the world calms down a little bit. Uh, <laughs> so we are in such a hysteria about everything right now. I don't know if you saw, but like, I mean, and this always, it feels like it comes out every year, but it, it, it kind of, it's like once or twice a generation. It, it's almost at a fevered pitch is when we get around Halloween and there's always the warnings mm-hmm. about, you know, when we were kids or when I was a kid, it was the Bart Simpson LSD or like, oh, yeah. you know, when my parents were kids, it was razor blades and the candied apples. And mm-hmm. so now the big frenzy is rainbow fentanyl. Yeah. You've got to check your kids candy for rainbow. Fent- so we're just in a, in just an insane or don't touch that dollar bill because you'll get, you know, fentanyl and you'll die. And so Mm -hmm. we're just in this hysteria right now where number one, it's, there's fear mongering, which is insane. And there is a real problem, but it's, we're going to blow it out of proportion um, and not actually address the issue with the people who are vulnerable, but also there's a very, um, distinct lack of empathy mm-hmm. toward people who um are dealing with addiction and so mm-hmm. yeah uh, yeah everything you just said was wonderful exact that's exactly how i feel about the subject and and it's um and applying fear uh you know this 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 extra layer of fear right now yes you know don't touch a dollar bill you're gonna get mm-hmm. you know cross contamination which is true i mean obviously sure major issue right mm-hmm. now sure, what sure. It's yeah. doing is that it's just applying more stigma 
Mm-hmm. Well, exactly. More stigma. And so, well, and it's, and it's almost irrational where you're not even, you're, uh, I'm trying to see if I can explain this, but it's like, it's taking a very real issue and making it almost comical that mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah, you're going to go to the store and they're going to hand you your change or whatever. I'm sorry that the chances of you, you know, dropping dead in that moment are, are nil. So, uh, you know, it's, or it's like, you know, the real issue of human trafficking where it ends up becoming hysteria in the white suburbs. Cause they say, watch right, your child right. when you go into the target, because they're going to kidnap your child. When in actuality, the, the people who are the victims of that are not the white people in suburbia. Right. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, um, it's just classic um, conservative uh, right-wing bullshit. So <laughs> that, that kind of co-ops a real problem, if that makes any sense. Well, I, I can't wait for you to make a movie about that, Sean. Yes. Uh, or maybe about uh, I, NyQuil Chicken, maybe. Um. <laughs> yeah, NyQuil Chicken. I mean, that's where we're at. I, I'm convinced that we are... Maybe also you can make a movie about how we are just dumbing ourselves into extinction. You know? Yeah, don't I mean, started. it's like, it's um, like, where are we? What's happening to us? You know, God. Well, think about all um, of them. So many films these days are becoming period pieces mm-hmm. because we're bored at looking other people at other yeah. people just looking at their phone. You know, that's another thing. It's and and plus, uh, you know, yeah. So that's why Red Rocket took place in 2016. I wanted to like distance ourselves from our yeah. current. Uh, we no, are literally in a hellscape <laughs> <laughs> yeah imagine so. 50 years from now but uh, you know I, i've seen red rocket compared to licorice pizza some a little bit and mm. and that they had to even go further back so uh yeah, yeah. well great talking to you great yeah. seeing this you again been wonderful um any any um thing you want to share with our listeners about where to find you um your social media that sort of things xin Cheng. Well, my my IG is Black Kitten made in Taiwan. Okay, I'm gonna write that down. (laughs) I'm gonna follow you. If you get a follow from Biscuit Kitten, that's 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 me. Okay. And I am on IG at Baker Movies, and really, it's really um, it's it's a celebration of film. I don't get political on there because that just divides. So instead it's really just uh, me showing off my poster collection. <laughs> okay. This so, is something I, I need to see. So. Oh yeah. Check it out. There's a new one going up uh, tomorrow or today. We can, I, I'm, I'm glancing at your porno for Pyro's uh, poster and, and Christian. So that's F your, so for, that's uh, your vice is poster collecting. Is that, is that right? Yeah. You could, you could call it a vice. Yeah. Yeah. They, people okay. are bored to say I'm a hoarder. <laughs> so it's like, okay. uh, hey, I but, get that totally. I am a, I, I'm a huge uh, Frederick March fan. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, and I'm <laughs> writing a book on him and I collect, you know, what some people would say, just old papers. Yeah. But I say I'm, I'm, I'm preserving it's research. And so it's research. And so, yes, I, I understand the hoarding, mm-hmm. the, the hoarding uh, accusation quite well. Listeners can't see, <laughs> but that stack right there is all movies. So oh. uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm hoarding movies. Uh, Sean, you mentioned Twitter too. Is are you on Twitter? Yeah, I'm just in the, on Lil Lil Film. I okay. think L I L Film or my name. I'm sure they could find it. There's yeah. a little 
there's a little uh, latte icon. <laughs> it's, it's mostly me just talking about other people's movies, you know, just celebrating what's in theaters. I love that. Week, um, you know, my own personal little bit of promotion here and there. But yeah. And I love that you I shared- just followed you both on Instagram. So, right. um, and I'll check out on, on uh, Twitter too. So I'm, I'm on Twitter a lot. Yes, you sure are. Um, so lots of thoughts on Blonde. I'm, we'll just leave that there. Um, but um, yeah, great to have you. And so this is uh, yes, Crit- thank you. Criterion Now. Uh, we are back. Uh, this is our probably our second official episode back. So thanks for um, rebooting us. Um, you can find us on Criterion Cast, where other podcasts are made. And uh, you can support our Patreon uh, and get the unedited up episodes. And um and yeah, that, that's pretty much it, um, right? It's Thank been a while. I'm out of practice. <laughs> no, that's a, that, that sounded great. <laughs> <laughs> right.